What was that song that we used to sing? Dying, he loved me. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified. Somebody here knows. Not me, but somebody here knows. One day, he's coming back. The songwriter said that that's going to be a glorious, glorious day. Anybody in here besides me looking forward to that day? Yeah. Yeah. We say that, we just don't want it to be today. Yeah, I got something to do this evening. Yeah, everybody want to go to heaven, just not today, right? I want to say, as I look around, it's good to see all our college students here with us today, traveling from near and far. You know, you make mom and dad happy when you come home and you come to church with them. It's a good thing, because I know you ain't hitting the chapel too much. When you Come on now. We get the live feed on the chapel, too. I've been... <laughs> I've been, oh, no, I know you've been catching the feed from us, right? Yeah, I know. I'm dismissing you. It's good to see you. I'm so grateful uh, that you're here with us. And I know you've already found out that prayer works in college, right? If you had a test, you have that prayer still works in college. And I'm so glad that you're here today. We, uh, you know, this is a, I was reminded in a text message this week from one of my advisors um, that this is one of the more pressured times <coughs> of the year for pastors because we try to figure out how in a sermon to make it better than all the other 50 some sermons of the year when we talk about Jesus Christ and his resurrection, because we, we talk about Jesus and his resurrection every Sunday. And yet on one Sunday of the year, we're supposed to put special emphasis on it. And most of us genuflect and turn back flips. And I shared that with a number of other pastors. And you would be amazed how many of them shot back immediately saying that they understood the pressure of it. Yeah. You think about it over 18 years, there's 18, at least 18 unique resurrection sermons to try to make it different, or not just that. And that's different from the other, you know, almost, almost thousand sermons. So the message that I got from the advisor is just preach. Just preach what we need to hear. Don't have to be necessarily centered on. The heroes, heroes, heroes from the dead don't have to necessarily be centered on that. I knew this. I knew this. But you always want to have something that matches the occasion. But I do find that there is a met, there is a place that I see the church in. I was so inspired this morning. So inspired as we were coming to church, we have to pass the exit that goes to Church of the Highlands. And every exit toward Church of the Highlands was jam-packed. Now, that might not mean anything, but after passing by that for two years and not seeing that, there's an excitement in the body of Christ where folk want to be around other members of the body of Christ. That's what I see in that. That's, there's an excitement. We want to see each other. We want to be around each other. And I know we're concerned about COVID, and I know we're concerned about you ought to be concerned about the flu. You ought to be concerned about all these things. But still, at some point, y'all, we got to learn how to live with all this stuff and still function, still be the church, because people still need the church. Yeah, anybody watch the news last night? Raise your hand. You see anybody on the news that need to know about the church, need to know that Jesus still loves them? That's our job to go out and tell them that he, uh, he's alive, he lives. And in order, the only way we can do that is if we get enough of it in ourselves and we're convinced of it. And the only way we can teach our children that is by putting them in the right place to learn that. 
and I'm struggling to make sure, I'm, I think we're struggling to make sure we make that kind of connection. It's not just going to happen. We have to be deliberate and intentional about teaching and reaching and grabbing folk and putting them in a space to understand who Jesus is. That's our job. And guess what happens when you don't go over something or you, you forget it. It, it? it tends to lose its importance and its significance. And how do children know that the church is important to you? Because you stress it. You put yourself in place to let them know on a regular basis, on a regular basis. <clears throat> because I can assure you that when they leave your home, they're going to identify their own priorities in life. And the hope and prayers that that is one of the priorities they put in as a foundation. When I left church, when I left home, 17, 18 years old, I reordered my priorities. I did. And I'm so glad that embedded in me, I ain't going to say it was number one priority, but embedded in me was a love of the Lord. Not like I should have had, and certainly like I've come to find out, but he was in there. And I knew that not too long could go on without me getting toward a church somewhere. Yeah, there was an unease without me getting around folk who believe in Jesus Christ. And I think that's our, I know that's our mission. And so to that end, I came to ask you today, how firmly embedded is the love of Christ in you? And how much have you shared that? with your family? How important is it in your household? So the Lord led me to a passage of scripture that involves Jesus's teaching about the significance of, we talk about seed time and harvest all the time, about the significance of seeds and planting. Jesus was the one who taught with parables. And it's important that seeds get planted early on. Seeds are being planted right now in your children. The question is, will they grow up into a fruitful plant? Not only are the seeds being planted that you are sowing in them, but other seeds are being planted as well. And that's why you need to make sure you understand what's being put into your children. They have a wicked device that they carry about all the time that is a computer in their hand that allows them into places you wouldn't let them drive into, walk into. They get information that can alter their lives significantly and most of, of us give them free reign with these devices. Don't listen to them when they tell you it's just TikTok. There's other stuff on there, too. Yeah, there's stuff on there that makes children <clears throat> get on buses and drive to other cities to meet folk they ain't never met before. They love them because they fell in love on the phone. And we have to do state-by-state -state manhunts for them. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to tell you that this is what's happening every day. Why? Because somebody wasn't paying attention and a seed was planted and it's growing. So let's talk about today, I think, something that might be helpful, seed, seed. One time before uh, in a sermon, I gave out some mustard seeds. And actually, that was my reason for going to Walmart yesterday. I was buying some seed. I was gonna give everybody a little old bitty seed. Yeah, but they were too little. Them seeds would have been everywhere, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we've been growing seeds in the pew for years. Yeah, seeds are so powerful. They are, but in order for them to be productive, these seeds have to have the right environment, Tam. They have to have the right water. Seeds have to have the right sunlight. And they absolutely have to have the right soil to be planted in. And when you don't have any of those ingredients in the proper mix, then a seed that is absolutely healthy can be wasted, not reach its full 
potential. I, I can look out here at the congregation right now and look at some folk who have been benefited by simply being planted in the right garden of your life. Now, don't, 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 don't tell me I'm wrong because I know some of y'all grew up like you were in the botanical garden. You never had anything come against you that was really negative. Yeah, you were protected, you were watered, you were fed, you got just the right sunlight in your life and your life shows the fruit of it. Shows the fruit of it. Yeah, you're doing well. And, and, and if your folks stood back and crossed their arm, they'd say you ought to do well. I never let any pestilence get on you. I knocked every bug away from you that I could see. Now, you may have invited some bugs in your life, but every one that I could see, I knocked away from you. You may have even hung out with some bugs, but, but that was your choice. I put you in the right environment for you to do well. And the question is, can you pass that down to the next generation or share that with the next generation? I realize the soil in our community seems to be shifting, but it's always been bad soil out there. It's just a matter of how you till the garden that's been given to you. And so I want to start talking today about sermon. We'll probably go a few weeks series that's entitled Rooted. 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 Yeah. And today we're going to talk about being firmly planted. All right. Firmly planted. Yeah. Look, 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 look. The psalmist said this, and you know it's true, that a person who is rooted in their faith, Bobby, is like a tree who has been planted, underline that word, planted, by streams of water. It's a psalm. One, verse three, planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. There's a whole lot in that one verse. All right. Planted. The Bible also says at the end of that verse that whatsoever they do will prosper. My goodness. So in order for a seed to grow properly, ultimately, the first thing that's got to happen, y'all, is it's got to be planted. Planting means that it's intentional. You didn't show up where you are by accident. No, no, no. A one who is in faith has been purposely planted in that space. I hope you hear me now. A seed generally is planted in soil, and the quality of the soil is the most significant factor that can help that person be successful or perhaps not succeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From a life perspective, the soil you were planted in has been ultimately beneficial, and you being who you are and doing what you're doing. I know you think you're brilliant, but, but I need you to understand you were planting good soul. Yeah, some of y'all act like it's all because of you that you have been successful. I came to tell you that's, that's simply not the case today. You have done your part for sure, but you were also planted in good soil. So let's talk about planting the seed because the psalmist, I mean, the, 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 uh, the writer in Matthew is pretty, pretty confident that the soil is the most significant thing. How do I know that? Because he quoted Jesus. He didn't use his own words, but he used Jesus's parable. And the parable is so significant. It's called the parable of the sower. Sower, S-O-W-E-R, sower. We don't use that terminology these days, but a sower is one who plants, all right? So you understand that one who plants. Let me read it for you. So the farmer went out to sow his seed, plant his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. 
Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop. Four times, you didn't catch that? There are four different kinds of planting spelled out in these verses. Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 through 9, spells out four different kinds of planting. Let me read the end part of that fourth one because I believe everybody wants to be in this one. It says, it says, still another seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. And the crop was a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And then Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear. Yeah. Then eight verses later, because Jesus' parables left most people thinking the way you're thinking now. What does that mean? What does that mean? I don't understand that. And so later in the parable, Shelby, he did what a good teacher does, and he, he made it simple for them. He said, listen to what the parable of the sower means, starting around verse 18. He said, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. Yeah, this is the seed that was sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the one who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this life and deceitfulness of wealth choke it out, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil, cash, is the one who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or even 30 times what was sown. Jesus gives four different scenarios, four different scenarios. He explains so that you're not unclear the seed in this parable is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. Who receives the seed and how you receive the seed makes a determination about the success, according to this parable, of your life. The soul that he's talking about is the heart of a person. So the seed is the word. The soul is your heart. And where the seed of the good news can take root is crucially important. All right? Now, let's say this, because I don't want you to come up in 2022, me. The seed is fine. There's nothing wrong with the seed. The seed is perfect. All right? I don't want you bringing no lawsuit because you say it was defective seed. The problem is not the seed, y'all. The problem is the soil. Everybody say the seed is fine. But the soil can be questionable. Now let's look at how many different ways the soil can be questionable. The first thing you need to know about soil is that a hard or indifferent heart is a non-starter. All right? A hard or indifferent heart is a non-starter. That's verse 19. Let's go look at that. See, some people, you ever try to talk to somebody about the Bible and they just don't want to hear? Um, I'm good. I mean, don't bring that in here. We good up in here. Oh, I know you ain't one of them Bible thumping folks. They simply do not want to hear it. And you find yourself getting frustrated the more you try talking to them about the Bible because they have made up their mind that they don't need that. And can I tell you this? That that person is one that you can live in front of, live your faith in front of them, but they need the Holy Spirit to soften their heart. You're not going to change their mind because you talk to them about Jesus every day. What you're going to do is make them mad and they're never going to receive anything from you. 
Yeah, do not, this is not a, this is not a legal word, even though they put it on shows all the time. Do not badger them. Do not beat the word into them. Then I say from Psalm, the, the first Psalm, verse three, that the, the seed was planted. Yeah, it was planted. Okay. The Holy Spirit has a way of dealing with folk. How do I know it? Because I'm looking at y'all. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit worked with everybody in here. At some point, the Holy Spirit made you receptive to hearing the word of God. Now, it may have been when you were young and your entire garden was listening to God's word, all right, and you were softened to that exposure. And so the seed falling into your garden, into your soul, worked out fine. But how many of y'all know you got some friends who didn't grow up like you grew up? Yeah, they grew up in a tough situation. They grew up where folk hurt each other in the family. Where folk in the family steal from each other. Where people in the, they don't, they didn't grow up in no Brady Bunch situation. And if the truth of the matter is, if we go back and look at the Brady Bunch, they had some dysfunction in there that was so bad. Yeah, well, it's worse. Yeah, oh, they had jealousies. Yeah, they undercut each other. On the, this is on the Brady Bunch now. Y'all were clapping at that. Yeah, get them, Marshall. Yeah, you, we ain't got to go to the Brady Bunch. Let's come to our own community. Let's go to good time. Yeah, they had dysfunction in good time. Yeah, J.J. and Michael got at each other all the time. Why did, why did the, uh, uh, the sister have her own room? Family. I mean, there's a whole lot going on. And that's easy stuff. That's easy stuff. People live through worse than that. I bet if I ask some of these teachers in here to stand up. Stand up, teachers. I guarantee you, you'll tell me some horror stories about some of the children that you deal with and what they have to deal with every day just to make it to school. The soil they have is struggle. And so simply coming to them in the morning, they haven't eaten, they barely made it out the house, they're wearing the same clothes they've been wearing most of the week. Guess what? They might not be ready to hear no Jesus story that morning. That's what we got to understand. We have to live the scripture until somebody can sit down and talk to us about the scripture. Watch this now. A hard or indifferent heart is a non-starter because you cannot plant the seed in that soil. It is a no, it cannot reproduce in that. Will not receive it. Will not grow. There's another problem that came up in that same passage of scripture in Matthew. Trouble, 13 verses 20 through 21, tells us that trouble won't let you get traction. Yeah. Trouble won't let you get traction. Anybody in here know somebody who seems to go from drama to drama in their life? Oh, you ain't got to say amen because maybe it's you. Drama to drama in your life. It seems like as soon as one situation ends, it's another situation coming and you wonder, why is everything a struggle? Why is every situation one that has to be, you got to draw everybody in, it's an emergency, uh, 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 and, and then you sit back and you look at them, they have a difficult journey, but most of the time it's because they make a difficult journey. And they make it. Can I tell you this? Trouble acts as a barrier to faith. Oh, yeah. Trouble acts as a barrier to establishing true faith. Yeah. It's not to say that people who are in trouble often don't have faith. They do. And in fact, the scripture says that, that they'll embrace the faith for a while. They'll, they'll believe and then stuff happens. And because stuff keep happen, keeps happening, it's hard for their roots to get deep. And before long, the trouble encompasses so much of their life that they never ever get a firm footing, a firm rooted faith, and they, they tend to pull away. 
Oh, you know, you, you'll see somebody and you'll see, they haven't seen them in church. And, and you'll say, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. What's going on? And they'll say, well, you know, my car messed up. Yeah, but we could have put you on the bus. Or, or you could have called and I would have picked you up. It's just on the way. And well, I know. And they say, I know. I just didn't want to bother nobody. Well, this doesn't speak to you or whether you were generous enough to come support them. It speaks to pride. They didn't want nobody to have to help them. Anybody, let me tell you in this life right now, somebody's going to have to help you. Somebody's going to have to support you in what you do. I don't care how much of a baller you are, how much money you make. You can be standing on the side of the road next to your Tesla with a flat. Somebody's going to have to help you every now and then. It doesn't matter that you got a black card in your pocket, but your phone dead. Somebody going to have to come and help you. You need to learn how to swallow pride and ask for people to help you. And when trouble clouds your view, then it's hard for your faith to grow. Yeah. See, you can be interested in the gospel. Nothing wrong with it. But unless you have time, see, time is a, an important part of growing your faith. We want instant microwave faith. We, we want to believe, oh, I believe, and then you want to have the faith of your 80-year-old grandma. Yeah. And that kind of faith only comes through living. Yeah. That, that, that kind of faith only comes through going through something. That kind of faith isn't instant. Some people are so impatient. They won't even buy green bananas. Yeah, they, they want the bananas yellow. They go back to the phone. Hey, y'all got no yellow bananas. Yeah. Can I tell you something? Yeah. Even a banana has to go through something. The banana has to mature. They don't even understand the necessity or even the value of a green banana. Can I tell you, sometimes life brings you green bananas. And you need to watch it ripen in your life. How many of y'all know there's a blessing in watching your bananas ripen? Yeah, yeah. I like this. I like this because this is the other part about it. They don't want to buy no green bananas. But when they buy the yellow bananas, they throw them away when they get brown. Yeah. Anybody ever had a brown banana and opened it and it was completely right? No, no brown spots in it. But based on what you see, you would have thrown the banana away because it had no visible value to you. No visible value. And can I tell you, it's at the peak of ripeness even in a package that doesn't look good. Somebody's struggling in here because you could be doing better in your life, but your life don't look good right now. It doesn't. You got brown all over you. Yeah, but you write what God wants you to be. Folk might not pick you, but God has blessed you. Yeah. There's more to life Write this down in a place in your Bible that's important. There is more to life than how life looks. And there's certainly more to life than how you look. All right? If all you care about, if the predominant theme of your life every day is whether you look good, then you're missing most of the day. You're missing it. Every flower that's beautiful goes through an ugly stage. Every one of them. And can I tell you, there is nothing more beautiful than an old flower. An older tree. Yeah. You think it's always the young ones? They have a certain aura about them. But something that's been through a storm and is resilient. If you look outside the window when you leave here, you'll notice that our rose garden is not very attractive right now. It's not. 
This is part of another message. I can't get too deep into it. But all I can say to you is just wait. Because the gardener knows what she is doing. All right? The gardener has torn up the garden for a reason, done some things to the garden for a reason to maximize the growth of the garden. And can I tell you, your life might be raggedy right now, but it's probably because the gardener knows what he's doing. You ought to have faith enough, but if you don't have patience enough to see what the gardener is doing, to wait on what the gardener is doing, then you'll throw a brown banana away. Shallow roots will not sustain a person. Shallow roots will not sustain a person when storms come. If you're not attached enough to the church, to your faith, I won't even say the church. Let me tell you why I won't say the church. Because some people equate the church to us, to people. I'm talking about to the Lord. To the Lord. If you're not attached enough to the Lord, then when trouble comes, you'll pay more attention to the things not of the church than you will the church. And can I tell you something? When trouble comes is the very time you need to be close to him. That's when you learn how to get things um, better in your life, Cam, when trouble comes. When the wind comes is when you need deep roots. That's when you need to depend on, on the Lord. That's when it takes that's when it takes you to another level in your faith walk when the wind comes. But the only way you can do that is to be planted firmly enough in the soil. Another thing that the Bible says in this parable in verse 22, chapter 13, is that distraction means no action. Distraction means no action. Distraction means no action. All right, I'm going to take this on Easter today. All right. Some of y'all can do everything but his thing. Some of us are distracted by the world. And because you're distracted by the world, the word can't get in. The word ain't got no time because you're distracted. How many of you ever put in specific time for the Lord. Don't raise your hand. It's a struggle we all have. Making sure I spend time with the Lord. I'm not one of them to tell you every morning you get up, you got to go to your closet because I don't care what time of the day it is. Sometime during the day you need to spend some time with the Lord. How else do you get close to him? Anybody in here married? You got to put some time in with your spouse in order for the relationship to grow. Can't always be ships passing in the night. Every now and then, them ships got a dock in the same harbor. Every now and then, those ships have got to have got to drop anchor and spend some time together in order for those that relationship to get deeper. Same thing with your children. You want to know how well you're doing? How much time do you spend with your children? They know. They, they, they know how much time you spend with them. Let me take it out to family relationship, friendship. You got a good friend, but you, you haven't spent any time with them in years. You don't know they married. Got two children. Done changed jobs. But that's my best friend. You don't know any of the significant things in their lives, but you're still hanging a title on this person that does not fit. Same thing happened to Jesus. <laughs> Jesus went to the cross? I mean, you don't know. What happened to him? Can I bring it a little bit closer to home? You ought to know what's happening in your church. You ought to know what's happening in your church family. You ought to know the folk in your church family. You shouldn't be in a church 10, 15 years and folks still surprising you. Saying, oh yeah, we in the same church. Now I can see if the church was 10,000 members. But no, you ought to know, you ought to have spent time enough around the sanctuary. You ought to at least 
have seen them. And I learned yesterday, I saw a cousin in our family that I have not seen for a few years. And we recognize each other through masks. I said that on purpose. Through masks. We haven't seen one another. Called each other by name. How your brother doing? I knew who she was. She knew who I was. And she bought a fourth or fifth cousin on my daddy's side. What am I saying? That means I have enough roots in the family to know who she is. Even if I don't see her often enough, I know who she is. And it doesn't matter that you got a lot going on. You ought to know the folk in your church family. You ought to be able to see them and have some relationship with them of some type. I ain't saying you got to know everything going on day to day, but they should not be perfect strangers. When you are distracted by life, you know everybody else, but you don't know the main thing. Distractions, what are distractions in life? I don't have any problem with you being involved in other civic organizations. I am as well. But I, anybody that knows me in any civic organization that I'm in knows don't set no wins to me. All right? That's not just because I'm a pastor. That's because when I wasn't a preacher, Bible study was important for me. Not because I was teaching, because I was learning. This is important. If you want to grow deeper in your faith, then you have to spend time learning from someone. I wish I could tell you that every Bible study teacher I had was brilliant and taught me something. Not every college professor I had was brilliant. Some of them didn't teach me anything, but I had to take the class. And I learned something from them. Guess what? Passed the class <laughs> so I could graduate. So I graduated. Yes, at Tuskegee, I took a golf class in the gym. We didn't even have no golf course on campus. But I passed. I got my credit. <laughs> I can't tell you that every Bible study is going to be dynamic. Everyone is going to leave you tingling. But I can tell you, there's more to learn than just what the pastor's saying. There's also fellowship. There's also so companionship. All of these things come about. Why? Because I decrease the distractions in my life. Money, distraction. Status, distraction. Popularity, distraction. Otherworldly you know, things that go on that I can't even bring to mind right now can distract you. They can distract you from being closer to the Lord. I've never really found anyone who spent worthy time with the Lord who was looked down on by people who had good sense. I've never really seen that. And this is what I found. When I went to Tuskegee, I was struggling in my faith because I was coming out of a situation that uh, was too conservative for me, all right? And what I found when I got to college was that I found a group of people who were like-minded, who were also reaching for more information. And because we were in that same place together, we grew together in our knowledge. We didn't pull away, we grew together. And so I'm struggling right now to tell you, I want you to understand that learning um, to identify people who are like-minded is an important life principle. All right. And so being distracted by other things will keep you from finding those folks. The last saw that came up, and I need you to hear this real good, because there's some people in here who exemplify this right now. You see them. The last saw, the three saws now, hard and indifferent heart won't get you there. Trouble will keep you away from growing. Distractions will keep you away from growing. But you need to know this, that an open heart will allow blessings to start. An open heart. Do you have an open heart? Do you have that heart that's open to the truth of God? Sometimes people get that spontaneously. God's got your attention because something happens quickly in your life. 
Yeah, I used to hear Leona Kimbrew say all the time. I don't think Ms. Leona Kimbrew was not a believer before she had, she got hit by that 18 wheeler, but that 18 wheeler got her attention. But she referenced it as a start point for her walk with the Lord. Every time she prayed, she talked about, oh Lord, that 18 wheeler came about. Every time I heard her pray publicly, she went back to that start point. But for you, it might be something different. Lord, when my mama died, Lord, when I got married, when I met my husband, when I met my wife, whatever it is, your reference point opened your heart in a way that you knew it. Can I tell you something? It wasn't you. It was the Holy Spirit that opened your heart, that gave you the ability to hear and heed the seed being planted in your life. Yeah. And so when it's planted there, the Lord will put you in soil that's good enough for you to be blessed by all the things you need in order to grow. The psalmist said that you're, you're like a tree planted by the rivers. And that river analogy means that you always have what nourishes you. It may not seem like it, and it may even humble you sometime when you realize how God keeps nourishment flowing to you. It's not always the place... You think you ought to be, but you're nourished all the time. It's not always the way you think nourishment ought to come to you, but you're nourished all the time. He keeps a continuous flow coming to you. Different folk who might not be the ones you would have identified come to you and nourish you all the time. And look at the offshot of being in that place. Because you are nourished, you can be a blessing. You're blessed. But you can also be a blessing. The Holy Spirit continuously ministers to you. And because you're in that space, your roots get deeper and they get deeper. And so when storms come, because of the depth of your roots, you find yourself protected. When trouble comes in your life, you find yourself able to handle the situation. Why? Because your roots are deep enough. Driving down the street, we know something about deep roots. You're driving down the street after a strong thunderstorm in Birmingham, Alabama, and you'll notice a yard, one tree toppled over and another standing tall. Yeah. And if you look at it, you look at it sometimes, one of those trees is toppled over from the roots. It didn't break in half. Lightning didn't strike it. It just wasn't deep enough. And because it wasn't deep enough, the strong wind came and blew it. But right next to it, there's a tree that's standing firm. Somebody like that is in life like right now. It might even be in your family. Something happens in your life and one of your siblings falls out, can't handle life, and you're still standing tall. Same storm, same mama that died, same daddy that left, and yet you tended to come out all right. Why? Because your roots were flammed. You were stronger under those circumstances. It might not feel like it's fair, but favor from God isn't fair because God gives us each what we need. God blesses us individually. It's dialed up perfectly for you. Now, what else becomes a blessing? Because I love this, and you need to make sure you understand this in this parable. The Bible says, that the people who are in that good soil are blessed 160, 30 times more. You can take one apple, one apple, you can pull one seed out of that apple and plant that seed. That one seed can produce not another apple, but another apple tree. I hope you understand, you have the ability to replicate blessings far beyond what you imagine you can do. How many ways can that seed bless somebody? Well, first of all, we know that the apple seed can bless us by producing another apple tree. But not only can the apple tree be a blessing, the fruit from the tree. How many pies can you make out of an apple tree? How many meals can you make out of one apple tree that comes from one seed? What about the flowers on the apple tree when it's in bloom? How many insects benefit from the flowers, from that one seed? How many people can draw shade 
simply draw shade from that one that one apple tree. How many other trees are pollinated to grow? Look at your life. How many people benefit from your life? How many people benefit from your life from one teacher? One teacher. How many students bless other folk the world over from one teacher? Mason, all them folk you helping pass the bar exam. How many more folk will they help with the law degree they get? How many generations of people will be blessed? All because God blessed you to be able to help them get to a you just like a tree planted by the world. How many folk in your life are blessed because God has been blessing you not one time, but a hundred times? based on what God has done to you. So my question to you today is, what kind of soil do you have in your heart? Not what family did you grow up in? Because a whole lot of us try to say I'm blessed because of the family I was in. No, no, God looks at us individually. What kind of soil is in your heart? What are you offering to the Lord for his seed to be put in? And then how much of his seed is being planted in your heart, in your soul? Are you indifferent to the word of God? Does it matter who's preaching or does it matter what's being preached? Oh, that's, that matters. Some folk don't come to church if they know a certain preacher ain't preaching. Yeah, can I tell you, a donkey can teach you. Does it matter who's preaching? Yeah. Maybe you need to ask the Lord to help me. Help me right now, Lord. Help me to hear what you're saying to me. Yeah. If you've ever had an earthly garden, you know all the effort that goes into it. If you've ever tried to grow or do anything of significance, then you know time is a factor. No different than your eternal garden. There must be a firm planting of the word. How do I do that? I need to learn how to spend some time in prayer. You and the Lord work out the time frame. I need to remove distractions from me. I can't tell you that removing the TV is a distraction for you. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. When I used to study, I used to leave the TV on. The background noise helped me. I couldn't just study when it was quiet. That worked for me. I don't know what works for you. I listen to music now when I'm studying. That works for me. What works for you? Yeah. Don't sleep too long. Too much sleeping can be a distraction too. Yeah. Social media, whatever methodology you use it, I don't know. Some folks just say it's being on all these apps that's a distraction. Can I tell you, long before social media, the telephone was a distraction. Folk didn't have to have no apps but just to be on the phone. Talked all the time. Dedicate some time to the Lord. Get the word planted firmly into you. And then every now and then when life comes and brings you some, some, something difficult, spend some time with your leaders, your pastor. I promise you I don't know all the answers, but I can listen. I can listen. I guarantee you I'm not the only one who can listen. We got some other leaders here who can listen. Can I tell you, you don't have to get a preacher. You just need a good friend. Somebody who knows the word of God. Somebody who knows more than you do who can lead you there. I came to tell you today that the Lord is eagerly desiring for you to understand that he loves you. The writer said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Because God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. We always forget verse 17. He didn't come to condemn us, but he came to do what? To save us. And today we celebrate the salvation can I tell you today that it's complete? He's completed his task. 
He did exactly what heaven required of him. He came and he walked with us and he talked with us and he loved us and he helped us and he healed us and he shared with us and he told us how to turn the other cheek and he taught us how to help those who were less fortunate, feed those who didn't have anything to eat, visit those who were in trouble. He taught us all these things. He even showed us how to fellowship with one another. He taught us how to love. He taught us how to mourn. He taught us every single thing that any person could ever need. Despite the fact that he was as genuine as you could ever be, we rejected him. We rejected him. One of my advisors told me to remind you that Jesus Christ wasn't murdered, but he gave his life willingly. But let me straighten that out. Our intention was to murder him. Our intention. It was his mercy that allowed him to lay his life down. We didn't have the power to take his life from him. Why? Because he was God's son. But if we had had our way and some of us struggle because we try to kill things we don't like, we don't understand. We tried with all our might to kill him. He beat us to the punch by giving his life. Bible says that on that Friday, after man had shot his best shot, after the devil had tried with all his might, the Bible says he got to the end of that crossroad about three o'clock in the morning. He looked across the crowd and he said, it's finished. And he gave up the ghost. Because he did that, heaven was satisfied. And early Sunday morning, Early Sunday morning, before Quick got ready, early Sunday morning, before the rooster knew to get up and crow, early Sunday morning, the Bible says he got up with all power in his hand. Early Sunday morning, before you knew you were a sinner, Christ had already saved you. Early Sunday morning, before you knew what life would bring to you, the Bible says that Christ got up. Early Sunday morning, Mary's baby, had made the journey from the cradle to the cross early Sunday morning before you picked out your clothes to come this morning. Early Sunday morning, salvation was already available to you early. Sunday morning, new life was available to you. Eternity was waiting on you early Sunday morning. Somebody here came and you heard about a man named Jesus Maybe you hadn't heard about him before. You now want to not only know him better, but you want to get closer to him. I'm inviting you to come right now. Start your relationship with Jesus Christ today. Maybe, just maybe, you'll find out that he's been the difference maker you've been waiting on in your life. It worked for me. Life got better when I gave him my heart. And so I'm extending myself as an, as an emissary to invite you to become a part of his family. I know it's hard to change your lifestyle, but this will be the best decision you ever made in your life. Doors of our church are wide open. Maybe, maybe you've already accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you've just been looking for a place to call home. And I extend the invitation for you to try us. While the choir sings right now, the doors of our church are wide open. Whosoever will, let them come.